Hi, my name is Elle. And I'm Jared. And you are listening to the New Leaf Project. Thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us today. Today we have our our second part of our two-part interview with Lennett Anderson and Keitha Ogubwagu. Did I say it right? Close. No. Man. Ogubwagu. Ogubwagu. It's the best last name and I want to get it. Sorry, Keitha. We, we flubbed that one. You know it's but, not because I don't love you, Keitha. Uh, no, no. You certainly do love her. And we're really excited uh, to bring you this second part. So if you haven't listened to, to part one, please go back and, and and give it a listen because it'll really mm-hmm. frame the context for today's interview, which I think is absolutely incredible. So let's, uh, let's move in without further ado to this continuing story. Give it a listen. Hello, friends. We are back with Keitha Ogbwagu sitting here in the New Leaf Studios in Saskatoon. And we are joined over the internet with uh, by Lennett J. Anderson, who is the pastor at Emanuel Baptist Church in Upper Hammonds Plains, Nova Scotia. That's just uh, about 30 minutes outside of Halifax. Uh, in our previous episode, we talked a little bit about the history of... of uh, uh, of the church uh, in Nova Scotia, it's it's older, by the way, than our denomination, Kifa. Yeah, our sure. story is like 1867, I believe, in in the U.S. and much later in Canada. And I, your denomination that you're a part of, Lennett, uh, is 1854. You said, and and you're the the moderator of that. So I think what some what I find very interesting about the conversation we just had and uh, and and where we ended off our last episode is that I think a lot of listeners, when they think about the church, they think of it as, as the most irrelevant institution imaginable. That it has really nothing to do with the community, and the community would be just fine uh, if we weren't around. Uh, do, do you? Is that your experience, Keith? Or am oh, I... I I definitely think that churches have to work really hard to be to be relevant and to be at all um, not even central, but just to be you know on the periphery of central. Um, and so, listening to you talk about um, how the church has been relevant from the beginning of the uh, the communities till today is just phenomenal. So, Lennett, let's talk a little bit about the current situation in Nova Scotia and some of the things that you've started um, uh, as a community in response to to what's going on uh, in Nova Scotia. You were mentioning um, something about, it's called ISPs. Now, I only know ISPs as an internet service provider, um, but that means something entirely different in the in the Nova Scotia education system. Why don't you start there, Lennon? What what is an ISP? No, and it's IPP. Oh, IPP. All right. Well, I don't know. I that's Internet Protocol something. <laughs> but an individualized personal program. Okay. All right. I misunderstood that. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is a system, um, and and. Really, it's to help a learner who's having difficulty to mm-hmm. navigate through our academic year. And, and many times, educators enter it with a very um, it's, it's sort of genuine concern that they want the betterment for the learner. So mm-hmm. they would talk to the parents about, we can have an individualized personal program um, 
for the learner, uh, you know, to, to focus in, to journey alongside or come alongside and help them navigate the work. In writing, it sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. As many things do. <laughs> <laughs> but once you receive this label, um, that, that you're no longer in the class, uh, you know, uh, in the curriculum of the class. Um, it, it, it's, labels have a way of, of limiting you, mm -hmm. of, of, of daunting you, uh, harassing you. And, and so what, what, what hurt my heart is when I discovered that one with this designation of IPP, our learners uh, cannot go off to community college uh, cannot go off to post-secondary education, university, undergrad, graduate studies, doctoral studies, uh, that really that's the end of the road. It is very challenging and it's very limiting. I'm never about putting periods in someone's life. I'm about commas and continuing the story. I, I say all the time we have to commit to the comma commit to the comma, write another chapter, because one bad chapter does not define the rest of your story. There's still glory over the story, right? And so um, I, I try to help parents understand what can we do? Can we get a tutor? Can we get, uh, I had a speech impediment all through my early years in education. And so I know a speech therapist came alongside me. And so who are the people we need to bring into the young learner's life instead of placing this designation over them that they need some special programming? Uh, and, and then when we ask for the stats from our superintendent of the Halifax Regional School Board, we were told that African Nova Scotia learners are leading in this IPP. We have more students than any other race in this province. Um, with this designation. Wow. And, and that is slamming doors in our children's faces. Never to be granted access uh, 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 to community college, to university. How limiting. When I'm trying to tell them that the sky is the limit, that greatness is within them, that you can fan in the flame the fire that burns, you know, all, all, all this about, you know, we, we are better together and let's proceed. What is your dream? Your dream for your future? And, and basically, um, not, we, we fail them when we don't connect the dots that we're limiting their, their academic performance, we're limiting their employment opportunities. And then we wonder why there's an, an issue with poverty. There's an issue with crime and, and trap, human trafficking. Um, that's why I said there has to be a collaborative uh, effort to addressing all the societal ills, but it starts in the classroom. So the, it, this is a reality. So you, you've heard from, from educators, you've, They've said your community specifically has has higher rates of being designated with these IPPs than any other group. So, and and I heard that that your church, you know, you're you're taking that, um, you're not taking that lying down, and you're working at getting kids instructor instructors 
And, and what are some of the other things that, that uh, your church has found itself doing in response to things that, that, that the culture around it has, uh, has highlighted to you? Well, we're very engaged with the um, police even and, and having great conversations at the police round table with the diversity officers because that was another stat that just came out that was very devastating to the reality. Um, and, and it wasn't shocking to us who live it because I try to tell people all the time, my famous line is that race is not a card that I play. It's a life I live. This is the skin I'm in. And mm. so if you talk to any African Nova Scotian, we were not shocked by the data that the police, the Halifax police and the RCMP that they just gave out concerning road checks, police stops. Um, I'm trying to bring it up because just, just most recently, uh, we're we talking about shopping while black, <laughs> but, but also um, the police gave us stats about driving while black. And when they told us that 40% of police checks involve African Nova Scotians, that, that, that just gave, that I'm not going crazy, that I'm not paranoid, that I'm not, you know, how can 3% of the population be 40% of your stops. Mm -hmm. that's, in, that's incredible. It's incredible. Three, actually it's 2.8. 2.8% of the population yeah. equals 40% of your stops. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me it's not race related? Mm -hmm. I, I could be, my, my, and I'm trying to, to raise a generation. My, I have three beautiful children and I want them to know the power of policing that we have great police officers. I thank God for our police chief. He's a man of God, a man of faith. He just prayed at the Nova Scotia Leadership Prayer Gathering and called down heaven. I mean, he interceded that God would heal our land with the murders and the tragedy, the shootings that's been happening in our province. But I challenge him, when are we gonna stop um, this this carding this these these police checks that are are so race based. Yeah, that is a uh, one of the most devastating things I think we can do to any uh, community that's in a minority position is when told something is going on to say no, it's not. And and what you were just saying there just a few minutes ago, it's not just your imagination. And, and, and it's this gaslighting effect that is so uh, devastating uh, to communities. And it's one of the ways when you get disconnected from your history, when you don't know how things uh, 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 arrived at where they are, it makes that argument all the simpler. Um, but that's like, that's in the math. That's in the math. 2.8%, 40% of the police stops. So your, uh, your children, you, you have a, just had a son, mm -hmm. uh, and you have sons as well, or just one, two sons, two sons and one daughter. And, uh, talk to me about raising children in the current Canadian climate as, as, as black parents. That's why it's so encompassing in all honesty. Um, I always, even before I talk about the children, just when I have the audience of 
uh, the chief of police or the mayor or the premier mm -hmm. or our counselors, I tell them that there must be an acknowledgement that race is not the grounds for suspicion. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that our real strength lies in our differences, not in our similarities. You know, we cannot fear race, mm -hmm. um, but rather embrace the human race. So that's my whole speech to them in a nutshell. Um, but when talking to my children, and, and that's why I'm so grateful to the superintendent of the school boards who allow me to come in and talk to administrators, principals, counselors, uh, TAs, teachers' assistants, on changing the cultural climate in the school. Uh, because I'm raising three children in this educational system. And I say, in order to master our hurdles, we need to recognize them. We need to actually spell out what are the hurdles, because I'm raising three brilliant children. I am their greatest fan, but I'm raising these children with my wife. Um, and, and, and as parents of African Nova Scotia learners, I can tell you that we constantly grapple, wrestle, struggle with the questions of, will history repeat themselves? Mm -hmm. You know, is it possible that my kids will have my experience? You know, will they have to fight for African Heritage Month celebrations in February? Will they ever see an educator that look like them? Yeah. Because we're graduating. We have teachers that are graduating, but are they finding employment? And then for me, this clear example of cultural misappropriation, where people of a different culture have to represent a culture that is not their own. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about, Leonard? For example, maybe you call me ultra sensitive, like he's just really sensitive. But the fact that during African Heritage Month, they brought in a group of drummers to teach the school African drumming. I thought that was so progressive of the school. I was like, woohoo, they finally get it. Let's have a celebration and assembly. To which my child said, yes, dad, it was awesome when we got to learn the drum and how to play the drum, but no one looked like me. Hmm. And I said, in this province, in this society that is rich in authenticity and authentic uh, cultural drummers, you couldn't find one drummer in African Heritage Month of African descent? I, I, and so I called the superintendent of the school board. I talked to the principals. I even challenged them today. How is it that a person of European descent can represent a culture that's not their own? I, you know, Keitha, I'm very honest. As a black Nova Scotian, I was never asked to go into our schools and do a sun dance or a rain dance. Mm. I was never asked to play the bagpipes or talk about Mexican cuisine or, or the German uh, tradition or the Jewish culture or the French language, you know, I still kill it. <laughs> but, but, but how is it during the one month that we ought to celebrate our rich heritage, we still can't bring people in from that community. Yeah. And for you see nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. That, that um, is very emotional and mm -hmm. that people don't understand the pain and they don't understand the frustration. And I know, you know, thinking about children, uh, we just had our first and are expecting our second. 
And I remember when Samuel was born, he's 17 months now, but I remember when he was born and these are the thoughts that are going through my head as, as I'm holding this newborn is what kind of life mm. is he going to have? What kind of experiences um, is he going to be treated as an equal? Is he going to understand that he is welcome, that he's a part of um, this society and that he's not um, special or exotic, but that he's just like, that he's a normal person and that happens, you know, he's black and can be proud of that um, without all of these um, stereotypes being thrown at him. And mm. so when you talk about the police and when you talk about education, um, that really resonates with me as I think ahead. And so I love to hear um, about you as a pastor and as a church saying, we are going to stand in, let this stop with us, and let's make it better for the next generation. So talk a little bit more about what do, about what you do in response to you know these um, IPPs and the police stops and all of these things. What has been kind of the next step for you as um, as a leader uh, in your community to say it stops here? Listen, I am a firm believer that if you're not a part of the solution, <laughs> then you are the problem. You know, mm -hmm. and, and so even on that door, we had a principal that had on this door solutions only. Don't you know? And so um, that's my. DNA. That's my MO. I want to be solutions oriented. So I, I will join any table that will have me. I want to be a part of the discussion of, of tearing down the barriers and addressing the societal ills. And so um, I challenge our churches to be present. You know, um, again, as I said, with the African uh, United Baptist Association, um, we are, um, I, I said, we are the oldest, longest serving organization of African descent in this province. And so the ABA is the one force that can create a standard of, of excellence in our community and really represent and bring hope and bring leadership and bring visionary leadership. And so when you say, what are the churches doing? Even with Sobeys, and I don't want to go off on, because we talked about education, we talked about driving while black, but listen, they're shopping while black in this province. And I tell my kids, if you're going into a store, you know, uh, represent yourselves, uh, dress properly, don't be loud, be very respectful, you know, you, you Every black parent has to have this conversation. And I trust I everybody. remember my mom having that conversation with me growing <laughs> up. When you go in the store, you don't just hang out there. You go in and you buy. You don't have the privilege of sitting and standing and looking. If you're not buying, keep on walking. Keep on walking. I'm telling them if you have your backpack, keep it zippered. Yeah. Keep it on your back. Yep. Do not make them think that you're in it because we know what it is to be followed. Yeah. And so the church, the church was very involved. And I don't know if you're aware, but in our recent um, uh, case with the Human Rights Commission um, uh, on racial discrimination and, and racial profiling, actually, uh, consumer racial profiling, and, and it's traumatic. To know that when you enter a store, you're just followed because race is suspicion. 
Uh, and 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 again, we we heard stories from elders in the community. There was one archbishop from Cape Breton that said he was 90 years old, walking with a cane. He was in his liturgical, you know, full Roman collar, big cross, blinging. And he said these two young people following him all through the store. And which he turned around and said, no weapon formed against me shall pray. <laughs> he said, I'm not Beethoven, so he said it a very, and they just, and I laugh now, but to hear the pain in his voice, to hear the pain in his voice that said, this is our reality. Yeah. Um, uh, I was told the story of a young guy that went in to get a wedding ring for his fiance. And, and the, uh, the person, uh, the sales clerk assisting him suggested that he goes to this side of the cupboard, that there's probably something better for his pocket book. And, and he said, how do you know what's in my pocketbook? You know, or my bank account. But it's just the assumption that I only can afford this kind of a ring. Mm. And, and those are stories again and again. We had an RCMP officer that went in off duty, so in civilian dress, uh, to buy flowers for uh, their daughter for the birthday. And uh, the comment was made, um, you stay here and don't steal anything. And so it is, it is daunting. What I love about the church, and not just the Black church, but the church in Nova Scotia really rose to the occasion. They partnered with us in a strategic way. And so, it's, one so thing, it's one thing for other Black churches, but when I had the Baptist Convention write a statement, they made their own statement condemning uh, the, the racial um, profiling efforts. And, and they, they made a media release, you know, when, when we had Wesleyan pastors and uh, POAC pastors show up, when the Roman Catholic priest showed up and they stood in solidarity, that Leonard, the church has to regain. Jesus fought social justice. He was all about justice and equality. And I don't know how you read the text, but I always see race in the text. The Syrophoenician woman, the Samaritan woman. You know, race is always uh, the one Simon, the Cyrene that carried the cross. Race is all, Jesus, Jewish. Race is always in the text. The Ethiopian. Tell us more about this Sobe story. Give us a little bit of background about what is it that, what happened, what provoked the uh, Atlantic Baptist Association to kind of step in in these other churches and how your church responded to um, shopping while black to racial profiling. Yes. Well, I tell you, it's a long story. And for many years, we had a member of our congregation in church um, a fight because she was falsely accused by one of their staff for shoplifting. And uh, uh, I'm glad to report that the false accusation was found to be the result of racial profiling by Sobeys. Um, now, initially, uh, Sobeys and their lawyers um, appealed uh, and, and they were and that's when the church stepped in. Because for many of the years, this individual, the single mother at the time, 
um, was representing herself. And yes, many of us encouraged her, spoke life into her, prayed for her. But beyond that, we did not do anything. We were watching from the sidelines. Then when she won, when the verdict came down by the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission, the Board of Inquiry, that found that Sobe staff did falsely accuse, and it was the result of racial profiling, there was a party over here. <laughs> yes, there was an acknowledgement, um, but that was quickly taken away when, mm -hmm. they, when they appealed. And that's when the church said, we need to stand up and do something. Uh, enough of us watching from the sidelines. And so we got our lawyers involved. We started uh, trying to negotiate with so they would not hear any of that. Um, and so we said that, that we're going to do a protest outside the store where this happened and where this occurred. Um, I was expecting, in all honesty, our congregation to show up at the protests. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, my vocabulary is really bankrupt, even to try, to try to describe the feeling where I said the church came alive. Mm -hmm. Pastors that I haven't seen in years showed up to say, Nova Scotia, enough is enough. This has been happening. We did not know the full extent. The media showed up and people started sharing their stories. And, and, and so um, the irony of, of, the, of the appeal by Sobeys is that they were crying bias in the case of racial profiling. And I said, is that not? They, they thought that the Human Rights Commission was using them um, as, a, as, a, as an example and that you know, they were just being unfair to us and the ruling is too harsh and this is bias. And I'm saying, you're crying bias uh, on a racial profiling case. Like, if you don't see the irony there, <laughs> that, just, that just blew my mind. But, but again, um, we were able through litigation to, to speak. And, and what a change when lawyers leave the room. Mm. We were able to talk to the regional directors of SOBIS and talk about how inappropriate this situation was and the devastating effect it was having on the wider community. So it was one thing for our church, then the African United Baptist Association got involved, and then the Baptist Convention of Atlantic Canada, 450 churches. Mm. Sobeys heard the message loud and clear. For Sorry, uh, just to interrupt very quickly. For, for people who don't know what Sobeys is, uh, th th some of our American listeners may have no idea. It's a popular grocery store chain. Uh, and it's national in scope. So uh, just in case you keep hearing the word Sobeys, it's, it's not a, it's, it's a good group of people who, you know, sell like food. to sell <laughs> frozen peas and fresh corn to you. <laughs> but sorry, I, I stole all your flow there. Keep going, Lennon. What happened uh, when everybody stood up? That, that... Well, well it, it was just, it was a defining moment. Hmm. It was a defining moment. I remember being at the convention, 450 churches, and, and 
they knew that we were getting ready to make a motion for these 450 churches throughout the Atlantic provinces. This was no longer a Nova Scotia reality. This was now going to be the convention of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, and Newfoundland, Labrador. Four provinces in Atlantic Canada were going to boycott the, the chain, the grocery chain of Sobeys. And I was in Moncton, New Brunswick, when I got the call saying, okay, 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 <laughs> let's talk, let's admit the wrong. And they actually came back with the apology that, um, you know, and they, they uh, received the ruling from the Nova Scotia Human Rights Commission. They, they came back in full effect to say, we want to right this wrong. It was a, when I took the mic at our convention and said, I just heard from the general director, from their spokesperson, and that um, we're going, we're going to create an educational piece on cultural competency and, and race relations in our, in our mind. Well, not only the Human Rights Commission and not just Sobeys, but I'm here to tell you that the, the, the Canadian Council uh, of Businesses, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, everybody, the Retail Council, um, this has been phenomenal. We've, 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 since then, we've introduced this um, online training that every employee can go online, get an understanding of race relations, get understanding that race is not grounds for suspicion. And, and, and it has gone national. It has gone national. But I'll tell you, um, one of the key individuals was that of the former Lieutenant Governor, Mayanne E. Francis. When clergy showed up, churches showed up, community members showed up at the protests. But when the Queen's representative, when she showed up at the protests, all cameras immediately moved from me. They shifted from me in the crowd to why is the former Lieutenant Governor here? What is she doing here? And she gave her story of being a black woman in the highest office in our province mm -hmm. and still being followed, having two guards beside her. She could be, um, you know, returning to the to the Lieutenant Governor mansion uh, and say, I need to stop in a store. And she goes in with the driver and with her aide-de-camp and it's still following. <laughs> she, and, and so, so people had no idea. And then that got CBC and, and our national news. And uh, this story took on a life of its own and more wanna be a part of the solution yeah. than the problem. And it's been a good story. I mean, our relations with so Sobeys at the end of the day had a community appreciation event. They wanted every member of our church. So, you know, I preached a, ser a short sermon that day. <laughs> we got a short sermon and we drove down and to see the cars, over 400 people hop in their cars, go down to this community celebration event at Sobe saying, we want you to feel safe in our space. We want to affirm you, you are a valued customer. 
what can we do to restore the relationship with your community? Um, it, it's been a good story. Sorry, it was tragic for uh, Miss David and what she had to deal with um, and being falsely accused um, uh, uh, and for her daughter to bear witness of that treatment. It was so humiliating. But this, but I believe at the end of the day, it has such a great ending. That was Keitha Ogbuagu, Jared Siebert, yours truly, and Lennett Anderson talking. And honestly, uh, I'm a little... I'm a little shaky about putting this one out there because uh, um, displaying your own ignorance is not something that um, uh, is very comfortable in a public format like a podcast. Um, But there's so much of this story that I just didn't know and I have no... um, I have no frame of reference Mm -hmm. for being a racialized person. Um, And what I absolutely love about what Lennett had to say here is, A, he's telling us the truth about what's going on. Mm -hmm. You can pretend all you want that there's no racism in Canada, but you can't, the statistics constantly call that thought into question. Uh, But I wanted to share this with you because this this is something that I'm... uh, like the the question of women in ministry, uh, this is a this is a near and dear to my heart uh, issue, uh, not because I have personal experience, but because I think uh, justice injustice anywhere uh, affects us all, and uh, so I'm just so thankful for these two for bringing this stuff to our our attention, folks. If you want to uh, check out more of Keitha's writing, uh, check her out on our blog. Uh, L, how else can people stay tuned to the conversation we got going on in the New Leaf Network? Always check out our website, newleafnetwork.ca. As Jared said, check out the blog. We've got so many great people writing on content like this as well. Um, so always always take a stop over there. Um, our, our Facebook page, we update it regularly with information about events and uh, the podcast and the blog. And sign up to our um, email newsletter that we send out every few months. That's an easy way to keep updated with us as well. All right, friends, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.